Good morning once again. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Proverbs 18, or you can open up your worship guides. Um, and so what we're doing uh, this falls, we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is a book of Scripture that's hard to approach uh, expositionally, where you look at this book and go line or verse by verse. Instead, it's a book that seems very scattered. But as you would get into the book of Proverbs, you will quickly see that there are various themes or topics that come up again and again over and over. And a large number of Proverbs deal with words, deal with our tongues, the way that we speak, the way that we talk, and communicate. One scholar says that over 90 verses in the book of Proverbs deals with the tongue. And words are a part of our everyday life, from when you wake up in the morning and say, it's too early, it's too dark outside, or why is the sun up right now, as in the case of today, or in later in the evening when you say, hey, it's time to go to bed, or I'm tired, etc. Words are a big part of of your life. They fill your day. In fact, one study says that you use words 700 times in a given day. Does that seem high? Low? By the way, that study's from 1970. Think about the number of times you use words on your phone, on the internet, social media. You send an email, or perhaps you're sending an instant message to your coworkers as you work remotely. So the point is, with the invention of the internet and smartphones, our use of words actually skyrockets today. And so why do words matter? Why do words matter? They fill our lives so much as we think about wisdom, that wisdom is the skill of godly living. Words are a significant part because we know that words fill our day. But why are words important? So let's see why words are important from God's word. We're looking at several verses from Proverbs 18. And as we look at, um, as you, and there's other Proverbs I'll share with you throughout the sermon this morning. So Proverbs 18, beginning at verse 4. And we'll skip through a few of these, but we'll end at verse 21. Let's give our careful attention to God's word. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Verse 6, a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to the soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the innermost parts of the body. Verse 13, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Verse 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we pray for ears to hear your word. And as you give us these words, they are hard words, words to consider. And so, Father, we pray for your spirit to minister in our hearts and plant your word deep in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
There's an old English proverb and one that I expect that you have heard. The first time this proverb was actually written, it was in 1862 in the Christian Recorder. And the proverb is this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Seems very false, doesn't it? Because this is a proverb that's meant to get at the idea that words don't physically hurt us. That's maybe true, maybe. The reality is that words hurt very deeply. Words hurt our feelings and words have the power to make us feel alone, unloved, unwanted. And as Americans, we prize something very dearly to us, and it's the freedom of speech. In our political culture, we have the right to say whatever we want, whenever we want, and whatever we feel like. But when you follow Jesus Christ, there's a different way of life. When you become a Christian, you are a part of the new creation. So you stop. We're called to stop blurting out whatever we feel like. Stop exaggerating. Like we speak in hyperbole all the time. Do you see what I just did there? I exaggerated. We speak in hyperbole all the time. And we're at called, and this is what Andrew was getting at from the words of Jesus in the call to confession. We need to bring our words under the judgment of God. Our words have power, and they matter because they have power. Ray Ortland. Uh, in his commentary on Proverbs, he, sa- he says this, do you know how many people it takes to kill a church? It doesn't take the whole congregation. It doesn't even take half the congregation. It takes two people. One to spread fiery negativity and, other, and one other that does not confront it for the sin that it is. And what Ortland is getting at, a better way to think about it is Eugene Peterson, his paraphrase of Proverbs 18.21 in the message, he says this, that words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So again, our words matter. They matter to me as a follower of Christ, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, a discipler, a counselor. Words are a big part of my life and also my vocation. And I want my words to build up, not to tear down. And that's really the idea that we need to consider this morning, that words can build up and tear down. And this is a message for all of us. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, have you ever noticed that two of the commandments deal with the words that we speak? Don't take the Lord's name in vain and don't spread False witness. Thou shalt not bear false witness. There we go. In fact, if you look at the first sin with Adam and Eve, it's the second sin, the act of their rebellion after eating the fruit, they blame and they accuse. The first, the, their sin is in using words. The, at the risk of exaggerating, uh, if you look at James 3, the sin of the tongue is the struggle for every single Christian. That where we, in the James language of taming the tongue, the idea of checking and exercising our self-control over our words, our tone, our demeanor, that is the struggle that defines our discipleship as we follow Jesus Christ. And so today we're thinking about words that tear down. And next week we'll think about words that build up. 
Today is words that tear down. Next week is words that build up. Because as Eugene Peterson says, words can kill or give life. And we need to choose. That's the thrust of Proverbs here. So as we think about this this morning, why do words matter? And there's two reasons that we'll consider. Why do words matter? The first reason why words matter is that words are an essential part of our humanity. The ability to speak, to listen, is something that sets us apart from the rest of creation. It makes us different from animals. But if you think about the creation story, humanity, Adam and Eve, never had the first word. Humanity didn't speak themselves into existence. God spoke us into existence. God is the one who had the first word. He spoke the universe into existence, existence just by speaking. Let there be light, and bam, there's light. And so just by the power of his word made everything to exist, he made us exist. And we depend upon him. And so when God made us in his image, let us make man in our image, as God makes us in his image, a significant part of bearing God's image is, is talking, is communicating. It's the ability to listen, to speak, to hear, to talk. So every time that we speak, we have an opportunity to imitate God. Our words matter because it's an essential part of being created in God's image. So Adam and Eve, before their rebellion against God uh, with words, Adam and Eve exercised their dominion in the world by naming animals. Words, the way that we can talk and name things, are an aspect of our power and our agency. And so, but the fact is that as God is the one who spoke us into existence, the reality is we depend upon him, we depend upon words that his words direct our life, our relationships, and our existence. That's his words. But also just think about how we function as human beings. Do you want to learn? Well, listen and talk. Do you want to be in a relationship? Listen and talk. Do you want to worship? Listen and talk. Or listen and sing. Do you want to parent your children? Listen and talk. Do you want to contribute to the body of Christ? Listen and talk. Do you want to reconcile? Listen and talk. Listening and talking. This is something that fills our days. But there's something else that we see in in the act of creation. That God reveals himself through words. That we know God only by the fact that he has revealed himself through words. That God speaks and we know him. And so right there is something else that words reveal. Words reveal. That just is seems to be basic. Basic. Your accent communicates something about you. Your vocabulary reveals something about you. Do you say water? Do you say water? Do you say y'all? Yins? Use? Do you, do you, are you from Washington? Washington. Your accent reveals where you are from. Words reveal something that you are. And this is something that we fundamentally understand. Because when we speak, you are sharing ourselves. When you speak, you're sharing yourself, including your heart. And this is what Jesus is getting at. And this is the second thing as to why words matter. Words are an essential part of of bearing God's image. Secondly, words reveal our hearts. And this is the call to confession. It's there in, in Matthew 12. It's there in Luke 6. Out of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. I always do that. It's like basic biology. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so after Adam and Eve sinned against God by eating the fruit, rebelling against him, they sinned against one another. Adam accused Eve. He blamed God. This woman, there's the accusation, and here's the blame, that you gave me. See, our sinfulness is seen most clearly in our words. And this is something we don't like. Our sinfulness is seen in our words. This is something we don't like. I don't like it. My tone reveals anger. Words reveal a lack of love, a desire to be right, a, the desire to win an argument, to be defensive. It shows who's reigning in my heart. And it's even easy to point to our circumstances as opposed to taking responsibility and ownership. Because our words reveal our sinfulness. Our words reveal our hearts. And how we are in relationship to one another, our, our words reveal something deeply true about us. It's that we're sinners. And the truth is, is that every single time we say something like, sorry, I did not mean what I said, the truth is we actually meant it in our hearts. Out of the heart. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so the real, the real problem with our communication is what, the real problem with your, our communication is what you want to say and why you want to say it. And that actually has nothing to, to do with your communication skills. The what and the why are shaped by the heart. And so as we think about this, like it's, this is something that we experience daily. It's something that we experience weekly. And there's a lot of guilt here. There's a lot of shame here. And we can deflect. But the truth is, what we need to do is look in the mirror of our own hearts. Because our words reveal our sin. And so our heart is actually what needs to change. And this is the good news. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, so there was a few weeks ago, we talked about how we change from the book of Proverbs. How do we grow in wisdom? And the wonderful truth is, it is a matter of the heart. And we'll return to this uh, towards the end. But sinfully, we also use words to serve our own agenda instead of God's. And when we do this, we tear down. We tear each other down. And this is the second thing I want us to consider. Not only have we thought about why words, why words matter, now let's think about words that tear down. Because Proverbs give several examples as of words that tear down. Again, there's 90 Proverbs that deal with our tongues. I'm going to highlight two of them for us this morning. Lying and gossip. Lying and gossip. In Proverbs 12, 22, we read that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That's Proverbs 12, 22. But the sin is actually not just in speaking lies, but we also sin when we listen to lies as well. Proverbs 17, verse 4. A friend loves a 17, verse 4. That's 17, 17. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So the first thing, use of our words that tears down are lies. Does lying bother you? 
Because lies are all around us. Children lie to their parents. Spouses lie to one another. Commercials, can we talk about that? Commercials, marketing, advertisements, they lie. Politicians, brace ourselves. Brace yourself over the next year. Lies are common in our world. But, so lies are all around us, but here in Scripture, lies are an abomination to the Lord. Why? John 8, 44, Jesus called the devil the father of lies. So the reason why lying is an abomination to the Lord, that lies are actually things that separate us from one another. Only the truth will set you free is what Jesus says to Pilate. Only the truth is what brings you together, binds you in community. So that when you're honest with one another, you're actually demonstrating something. You're, when you're honest, you demonstrate a love for the other person to be in relationship with them. So you're demonstrating love and you're demonstrating hope. And you're saying that by telling the truth, you want friendship with the other person. You want to be in relationship with them. We must be on guard that we're also not listening to lies about others too. I mentioned Ray Ortland earlier. Again, a person can become a garbage collector. Someone like a friend can easily become the one to whom disgruntled people go to because they will listen, be a shoulder to cry on, and a rallying point for complaints. Eventually, the listener becomes a bigger problem than the talkers. This is so serious to the Lord. Proverbs 6, 6 through 19 a few years ago, I, did, I preached on the seven deadly sins from this passage. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And the last one, the one that is most significant in that passage, is one who sows division or seeds of discord or stirs up trouble among family. The truth is, as we hear Proverbs, God hates words that tears down. His goal is unity. His goal is peace. This is what Jesus died for upon the cross. That Jesus died upon the cross so that we would be reconciled to God and therefore we would be reconciled to one another. That we are united to Christ and we are united to one another. So when we lie, listen to lies, and so much more, slander, gossip, against one another, stir up division, derision, sow seeds of discord, we are living as if the Satan is our father. Do you see how significant that is? Are we living with God as our heavenly father? And so that's so significant that lying tears down. We know this. I know this within my life, in my childhood. I lied against my parents and, and I lost all the trust from my dad. And he's like, hey, it takes you a moment to lose all the trust. It'll take you years to rebuild it. We know in our life the consequences of lying. We know it, and it separates us, and it's incredibly lonely. So that's the first use of words that tears down God's people. The second thing, and we see this here in Proverbs 18, verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. Another word is gossip here. Gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to the, your innermost being. And so the, the Proverbs is highlighting a truth for us that we all delight in gossip. 
We all delight in being in the know. We love being in the know. But our culture really reduces gossip. It's like, hey, we're just, we're just commiserating. We're just talking. We're just talking. But Jerry Bridges, in his book, Respectable Sin, he highlights that gossip in this way, that gossip is a respectable sin. It's something that we excuse and tolerate within the church as well. Because gossip is when you talk about someone instead of to someone. You talk about someone in a way that hurts the other person's opinion of the person whom you're talking about. And again, as I'm thinking about this, talking about this, I'm here as a sinner, and I am guilty of these things. We're all guilty of these things. This is a high, high, high bar. So how do we respond to these things? How do we change? Because here's lying, here's gossip. We use words in our tongue in ways to tear down instead of building up. How do we begin to change? So here's a few practical things to highlight. Number one is recognize the impact of your words. Recognize the impact of your words. It could be gossip, it could be lies. Think about gossip. But recognize that gossip grieves the Holy Spirit. One way to think about grieving the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is made unwelcome. That the Holy Spirit is unwanted in your life and your relationships. And so gossip hurts friendships and even divides churches. So Tim Keller adds this. This is in his book on, for, on forgiveness, entitled Forgive. I know some of you are reading it. It's an incredible book. I highly recommend it to you. But this is what he writes. When, and he, specifically within the life of the church in his appendix that he's writing this. When people in the church take sides as opposed to suspending judgment, praying, and encouraging people towards reconciliation, then you'll find second and third order unreconciled relationships. We feel alienated from people who are friends of the person whom our friend is alienated from. And the problem here is obvious. There is no direct way to heal such breach. It is a spiritually poisonous situation. The problem is not that you have been sinned against, but that you have heard a bad report. And this is participating in gossip. So the first thing to do is let's recognize the impact of gossip, the impact that it has on our relationship with God, but also the relationship within our relationships, the impact it has on our relationships. So that's number one. Number two, recognize your own role. Recognize your own role in gossip. Like Jesus talks about this plank before speck, that we are so concerned about the sins of others, what is going on in our own lives? And we need to do the hard work of dealing with our own sin first and foremost. So recognize your own role. And there's two roles that happen here, either giving, spreading, or listening. Those are the the two ways. And so recognize your own role. And so if you are hearing gossip, God calls you to speak up. This is Proverbs 31. God actually calls you to speak up and to confront gossip by saying, this. Sorry, I don't have the right to hear this. Or, hey, so-and-so is not here right now. Why don't we go talk to them together? Or you really need to take this up with them. The thing is, when we hear gossip, we, need, we are called to speak up. So the last thing to highlight, and there's going to be more on this last next week in some ways, 
because next week is words that build up, words of love. But the last thing to consider is act with love. Because we can act with love towards one another in very powerful ways because God has loved us. That we can do this by suspending judgment before speculating. And if you can't suspend, we're actually judgment. Or if we can't stop speculating, we are actually called by God to go to the other person. And that's the call of love. To go to the other person and to talk with them. And so, friends, this is what we do with these words. As we use words that tear down, if when we use the words that tear down, we need to recognize its impact, see our sin for what it is, repent of it, and seek to grow in Christ. And so there's good news here. There's really good news here. As I said earlier, that words are a matter of the heart. And guess who's the best heart surgeon around? The one who comes into your life and takes your cold, dead heart and gives you a new, living, beating one. That we have the words of God inscribed and written upon our hearts. The best heart surgeon around is the Holy Spirit. God gives you this new heart. And he has a wonderful plan for your words. Like in 2 Corinthians 5, we read that he is making all things new. He's making all things new. And, and as we were singing, Christ is risen earlier. Such a beautiful song because what Jesus has done, he has trampled my lies. He's trampled my gossip. He has tra- trampled my accusations, my blame shifting, my defensiveness. He has trampled it. He has stomped it into the grave. That's so beautiful. He has done that. For me, he has done that for you, and he is making all things new. So he's working in my life, making me a part of the new creation. He's doing the same for you. He is making all things new. And so his goal, we see this in in the creation story. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. His goal is that if anyone is in Christ, we are a new creation. You keep going to the next verses, a few verses, you find out that we are his ambassadors. What's one thing, what is the one thing the ambassador does? The one thing the ambassador does is represent. We are called to represent Christ in this world because, and God makes his appeal through us that as Christ's ambassadors in this world, he uses our words to win people back to him and to bring them back into his reign. And this is our calling, to be his presence, to be his representatives, to be his mouthpiece in this world. And the fundamental truth is that our words are not our own, they are his. And that is an incredible truth. I've been reading Paul David Tripp's book, The War of Words, and if you saw our prayer of confession, it was written by him. And he talks about the fact that authors tend to write books out of their expertise or to earn an income, to pad their resume. But he wrote that book out of desperation. He's like, I'm a sinner. I see the ways my words hurt others, and I am desperate for change. And this is the wonderful, wonderful thing is that we have a God who delights and does his best work in desperation. Blessed, think about the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are the desperate. God does his best work amidst desperation. And so friends, let's look to Jesus and be desperate.
let's look to Jesus and say, I want to stop using words that tear down, and I want to use words that build up and delight in the Lord because he is one who has rescued me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your good word. That through your word, it is what, how we know that of your love. Through your words is how we know of your wonderful rescue and plans and work in our life. And Father God, I pray that you would minister deeply to us. Minister deeply to me. To us all. Help us to grow in grace. That we would see the ways that our, our words hurt others and tear down whether it be in our marriages, as parents, our friendships, within church, at work. We use words all the time, Father. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to see the, the impact of our words and help us to put on the new creation of Christ. And we pray for your Spirit's help in the coming days, weeks, months ahead. Help us to grow in these ways. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.